Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss the career of Christian Bale. What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. This is James. Today, we're going to do an actor spotlight on the great Christian Bale, who is one of our personal favorite actors. We've been meaning to do this for like the whole podcast. It's been around. It's probably one of the most requested episodes for sure, because all audiences love Christian Bale. Everyone who loves film and even people who aren't huge film buffs, they know who Christian Bale is. They respect his work and the dedication he puts into his roles. We all know about it. So he's just one of the most respected people in Hollywood for sure. Yeah. And he really came from nothing and he really worked his way up and and grinded it out. And it was just his sheer talent is what catapulted him to the top. And he earned every role he got. And like you said, there's rarely you see actors who commit to their roles as much as he does and he's famously is a method actor just like actors like Meryl Streep and Danny Day-Lewis are famous for being method actors uh, Robert De Niro and obviously like he is the ultimate chameleon where every role he's looks different sounds different his mannerisms are different he completely becomes an unrecognizable person which each movie of his and it's an unbelievable talent he has yeah and that shows his filmography too is he only does about one or two ma- movies a year maybe so he probably averages like one and a half um, some years he doesn't even have a movie, but that's because he's 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 kind of like Daniel Day-Lewis. He's really specific about his roles and because he puts so much into it with his method acting. I don't know how much method acting he does like offset. Probably he's like, not that method. Yeah, when he's on set, he's method. Yeah. But when he's at home, he's normal. But I know that when he was doing like the Batman films, he would speak with his American accent all the time offset, like during interviews and stuff, just to keep the practice and so that audiences would think he's American. Yeah, a lot of people thought he was an American actor until they saw him like do interviews later after Batman and heard him with the his British accent, his Welsh accent, and we're like, what? He's he, he's British. He might have the best American accent of a non-American actor. I think he could possibly be one of the. One of, if not the best actor at accents um, in every, general. And in general, just being able, because like he can speak with an American accent naturally. But not, then not his, his, uh, his Boston accent in the fighter is wicked pissing. It's kid. A, it's, I think it's the best Boston accent. It, it could be. It's, it's, up, it's, it's better it's than great. Mark Wahlberg's, and Mark Wahlberg's is authentic. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and Christian just seems like a really cool guy. He seems like he's really down to earth. He seems like he is definitely uninterested in celebrity, uninterested in fame, um, doesn't care about money. Uh, he well, he still is getting paid. Well, he's getting paid, yeah. but he's not spending his yeah. money. Yeah, like he's, he, he's he, if you see him at red carpets or in interviews and stuff, he's wearing the same clothes he wore ten years ago. Uh, he's always wearing the same like one or two suits to the Oscars and Golden Globes, and he still drives his 2003 Toyota Tacoma yeah. pre-runner off-road V6 truck everywhere. That's yeah, like he, his car. He's had it for like 20 years, and he still to this day is driving that car around, and he's made probably close to 100 million dollars. So he doesn't care about like um, luxury and, and materialism, and he oh, he just seems like a normal guy when he's not on set making a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, he just I seems like a, a regular person because he puts so much into it, and then it's just like he's just a normal person. He's one of those one of those awesome celebrities and actors not that other celebrities yeah. aren't awesome but he's very, like you said he seems very down to earth yeah and i love like he's one of my favorite actors I, I like to watch actor interviews and stuff and he's one of my favorites to watch he seems super funny very insightful but also kind of like he just likes to shoot the shit and doesn't seem like too pretentious at all he seems just like super laid back and not what you would expect and also he doesn't seem very intense when he's just normally himself he seems like he's a very amiable like kind light-hearted guy but when he's dedicated to a role, he obviously puts that all the intensity that 
he can muster into his movie roles. Mm-hmm. I have a little background on him just to like get a sense of his life before being famous. And I would actor. love to learn about more. So he was born on uh, January 30th, 1974 in Haverford West, Pembrokeshire, uh, to English patient parents. So he's even though he was born in Wales and he's he's not technically Welsh. He calls himself English because he was born. He moved to England when he was two. So that's why he doesn't have a, really a Welsh accent. But um, his family, uh, his mother was a. Hold on, sorry. His mother, his mother was a circus performer, and his father was an entrepreneur and activist, and that was part of the reasons why, as a kid, he moved around a lot, and that's influenced his career choice of wanting to be an actor. And he started ballet as a child. He got his first acting role when he was eight years old in a commercial for Fabric Softener Lenore. He also appeared in a Pac-Man serial commercial, and then he was in Anastasia and the Mystery of Anna in 1986, which was a TV film at the age of ten. And then at age thirteen, he went on to portray. Um, the character Jim in Empire, of the, Empire Sun. of the Sun, which Steven Spielberg made. In that movie, he gave probably the greatest child performance ever. And it's hard to see, like, even at that young of an age, he was able to do so much. And even Steven Spielberg said that he was a fearless performer at that such a young age because he's the lead of the movie. It's not like there's an ensemble. Like, there's plenty of other actors, but Christian Bale is, like, most mostly front and center in that movie. It's a dark movie. I mean, yeah. it's a child in concentration camps. And he goes through major transformation. There are some really emotional scenes. There are some tough scenes. And he really pulled it out. And, like, you never see, at, like, young people, like, have that kind of maturity in terms of a performance that he had. And I think that he clearly, when you watch that, you you see that he clearly had the natural ability. Because he's not uh, a trained actor. He never went to school for it. He's naturally um, gifted. And he he basically developed his own style of acting and preparing for roles. He never went to school, never was educated by, you know, a master of acting or anything. And, and he just did it on his own. And that's something that like, you know, to the point of when it comes to art, yeah, you can go to school and, and learn all the fundamentals and the history and, you know, ways of approaching work. But to a certain extent, I mean, if you don't have raw natural talent there's only so much you can do whereas some people are just born with the ability to do something like that plus he also has a photographic memory which he revealed on interviews for the batman begins dvd commentary special features which is pretty cool so that's very helpful to his roles and scripts and and blocking especially yeah uh, all the stuntmen he works with the stuntmen and women who choreograph fights for him they say that they only need to teach him a fight once and he can do it perfectly over and over again after that it's pretty cool yeah pretty jealous but before we continue if you want to support Raiders of the Lost podcast, the very best thing you can do is obviously share us with your family and friends, but also become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast. Patrons get perks like personalized videos, our podcast schedules for upcoming episodes so you can prepare for them. Top tier patrons get a monthly shout out on the podcast, which we just did a couple episodes ago. And the best perk of all is every patron has access to weekly bonus episodes of the show, which we post every Tuesday. Only patrons have access to those. Head on over to our website, RaidersOfLostPodcast.com to check out all of our sources of content, our merch, our custom movie posters. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening on audio platforms. Hit the notification bell. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the subscribe button, hit the like button, leave a comment. And thanks so much for tuning in around the world. And I think that there was a actually a tumultuous time for Christian Bale in the public eye, and it was most notably he had that that major controversy of it was one of, it was like an early viral thing on the internet in which he famously 
berated the cinematographer of Terminator Salvation because was it the cinematographer yeah. or was it a lighter cinematographer? Guy. Gotcha. So uh, Shane Holbert and he was while well, Christian Bale was performing the scene where he he's um speaking with um Sam Worthington's ca- character very aggressively and it's you could say it's the most intense part of the film and um what's his name Shane Holbert the the cinematographer kept walking into the background of the shot to adjust lights while they were performing and on like the third or fourth time Christian Bale snapped and uh, flipped out on him famously like berating him yelling at him and it it flooded the internet everyone was listening to it everyone was making funny videos about it and every news outlet ran with it and it became like a a thing and and after that people for a while they looked at Christian Bale as being a very intense person and maybe a very angry person, but I think that was just a a very small incident in which got blown out of proportion for the public eye. Yeah, we don't know all the specifics of the relationship between those two men on set. Who knows if that was like an ongoing thing that Christian Bale in the back of his head was driving him crazy. Like, you know, you go into work every day and you're, you're performing and your performance is the key to the entire film. You're the star. The entire $200 million production is on your shoulders. And every time you're trying to perform something emotional and get into character and maybe you have to squirt some tears out, some guys in the background in his cargo shorts adjusting a light and you're just like, come on, Mike. I'm trying to act over here. So, like, I'm sure it wasn't the only time that happened, if it would my, be my assumption, because it's one of those things that I'm sure builds up over time. It's yeah. just like one, and then he snaps. And Yeah, that's a good point. We've it all probably happened We've all that. been frustrated with colleagues before, and it's, you know, unfortunately, with that, I'm sure the pressure mounted too, and he was a busy guy at the time because he was doing Batmans in between that. And also, so, in terms of that movie, he actually was obviously very unhappy about how the movie performed and how it turned out. And McGee, the director, not a good director, and he basically failed at that movie. It's on his shoulders. And I think that what I read in interviews is that Christian Bale basically... The- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at tmobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. McGee like begged him to take a chance on him to let him direct this movie and saying that like I can I have it in me to make a great big budget movie and Christian Bale's like okay I'm gonna take a chance on you and I think that I think while making the movie he was probably understanding like this is not gonna be good yeah but I have to finish this so maybe there was some reluctance to him even being there it was as well yeah and being like he was I'm stuck in this giant movie that everyone's gonna hate 
and I, it's just a, a bad situation. I can you can kind of see that in his performance too. Yeah. He seems like so irritated. He's like, oh, I mean, I'm, I left a Chris Nolan set and I'm coming to here and yeah, exactly. Every day. Yeah, imagine that. But yeah, so that's probably the biggest controversy I think in his life. Yeah, and but I mean, let's go through his cinematography and his, <laughs> I mean, filmography. <laughs> Sorry, let's go through his filmography. And so, like we said, he started acting in the late '80s when he was a little kid, and Empire of the Sun was his first big major role when he was 13 years old. And I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. It's a movie that Steven Spielberg directed, and it's an adaptation of J.G. Ballard's memoirs of his time as a young boy in Japan during World War II, and it tells this story of this character. Jim, who grows up very privileged, and then he's thrust into basically a concentration camp. Yeah, he becomes a, a prisoner of war, and he is thrust among this war camp that is filled with, you know, gnarly adults and and battered and grizzled men, and he's like a fish am, am, among sharks, basically. And it's an expansive movie. It's epic in in, in scope and time, and the it's a really great production. It's one of Spielberg's most underrated movies, if not most underrated. And it, no, I don't. What Christian Bale did in it really defined the movie itself. It wouldn't work without such a strong performance from the lead, and he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and then he almost quit acting as a kid because he got bullied so much at school for being in this movie, which is so ironic. It's such a cool thing to do. And then at school, obviously, I'm sure like insecure bullies were just giving him a hard time and just mm. giving him those knuckle sandwiches for no reason, even though yeah. he's the coolest kid in school. He should be. But if it would, if he did it now, he'd have a huge Instagram following and be like the coolest kid alive. Yeah, he'd be yeah. like he'd Finn be like a, a stranger kid's kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, Kenneth Branagh convinced him to come back to acting for Henry V in 1989. He has a small role in that, but it's also an important role to the character of Henry. Yeah, he actually worked with Branagh a lot. And Branagh, actually, people, if you don't know, he's actually a director. He's directed a ton of films, and he, he's directed a lot of Shakespeare adaptations and actually shot them in high-format film. But uh, this is obviously a small role, but it led to him. There's a great cast in this movie, so he's working with the best actors the UK has to offer. So it's a big job for him yeah, at such a young age. I'm sure it's super great for networking. I'm sure it's like sports, like, oh, this kid's up and coming. Like, we're going to keep our eyes on him. We're mm-hmm. going to give him the small role. Who knows what he's going to be like when he's like 15, yeah, 17. If you're acting with this cast, you are the top of the top. After Henry V, I'm, I'm guessing he took some time to finish school or something. And then after three years, he started Newsies, which is... A Disney film about newsy kids in New York, and it's a musical. It's a nice, sweet musical. It's nothing special, but he was the lead, so that's a big deal. And ironically, this is the le- lowest performing movie of Disney's, I think, history. Is it's, it really? It's one of their worst performing movies of all time. It still made like sixty mil, but the Broadway production made way more money than yeah, the movie. Yeah. So I don't even think it made ten more than ten million, honestly. But he was very good in it. He's actually a, a terrific singer and performer, and obviously his dancing and paid off for this lead role. But again, no, not many people saw it. But also, you're leading a big Disney production, so that's a really big deal in terms of the industry. And what he's he's nineteen at the time, something yeah, like 18, that. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen, and then next he did Swing Kids, which is actually it was a a good concept it didn't really deliver it's not the a great great movie but it has a cool concept where it's about hitler youth who become infatuated and and fall in love with music that has been outlawed in nazi germany swing music uh, yeah and so they're trying to constantly listen to this music and spread it to others and obviously the that government was very controlling of what people couldn't do and listen to. So it's it, it was a good movie, but it wasn't anything special. But he was one of the leads. He actually co-starred with one of the actors of the Dead Poets Society in that movie. They both played the, the two co-leads, and Kenneth Branagh also uh, starred in that movie as well. And then he was in Royal Deceit in 1994, which I have not seen that movie. Do you know? What I have not about? seen it either. So let's just skip that. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in the uh, the 1994 production of Little Woman. He played mm-hmm. Laurie, which is what Timothy Ch- Chalamet his yeah. character. 
character played. And I really like that this adaptation of Little Woman. It's a lot more romantic and kind of more classical filmmaking. And I really like the the different interpretation of the character Laurie in it. I think this is a better version too. It's a great movie. And it's, um, it's the really... Aus- the Australian director, um, what's her name? Gillian Gillian, Ann- Gillian Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah. Gillian Armstrong made that film. Yeah, really beautiful movie. And then he voiced the character Thomas on Pocahontas in 1994, the animated film, which is kind of ironic or coincidence, I mean, because he ended up acting in a Pocahontas movie, yeah. which we'll get to in a little bit. It was bit. like meant to be. It was destiny. It's but for, yeah, Pocahontas was great. And he, he was a uh, classic. Yeah. It's like I, I want to actually watch some scenes from that and hear his voice. That'd well, be funny. Let's see. This is Royal Deceit, 1994, an old Norse legend of revenge, power, and oh, human spirit. Oh, I know spirit. that movie. I That's know it. Sequently inspired William Shakespeare it's on his Hamlet. tragedy of Hamlet. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. Hamlet. It's, gotcha. a new, it's a retelling of Hamlet, and he plays Hamlet. But oh, they're all different. All right. They all have different names, but he plays the son of the king and Amled. Um, yeah, and he's like trying to like avenge his father's um, death. And, oh wow, this cast yeah. is stacked. It's yeah, got great cast: Gabrielle Byrne, Helen Mirren, Brian Cox, Kate Beckinsale, Tom, yeah. Tom Wilkinson. Well, I gotta check yeah. this out. Great cast, and yeah, uh, Gabriel Byrne plays the king. I think. Yeah, I believe so. Of course, you had that in the back of your head somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it just the name didn't come to me. And then um, he was in a movie called Portrait, The Portrait of a Lady, and that's with Nicole Kidman. And a few other great actors. Obviously, not a very good movie, but it's it's a, it's got a, a stacked cast. Mm-hmm. He's working with some of the best actors alive. He has another small supporting role playing a young character, but it, it not important or vital to the story. But again, you're working opposite Nicole Kidman and a bunch of heavy other heavyweight actors, so it's a big deal just to be working in these movies at that young of an age. Yeah, so, I, I totally showing agree. how talented he is. Oh yeah, for sure. And then. There's this movie called Oh Velvet Goldmine was his next big one, and this is a uh, he led this movie, and this is actually a really great cult classic from the UK. It had starred Jonathan Rice Myers and Ewan, Ewan McGregor, and it's about oh know, yeah, directed by Todd Haynes. Yeah, and yeah. it's about like um, David Bowie esque superstar and a fan who like recreates the per, who creates the persona, uh, and Ewan McGregor is great in this he does all of his own singing i believe in the film as well as the pop star and then christian bale plays a journalist who is fascinated by the star and is trying to find out more about him and while he's befriending these two characters he's rediscovering that he his past and how he shut out his um homosexual um, emotions and urges as a young teenager and he's now opening up to them again. So Christian Bale and Ewan McGregor actually have a pretty steamy love scene in this film. Yeah, I'm sure you've all seen images of Christian Bale on set of this movie where he's like got his shirt like half opened up, but he's got all the glitter and colorful makeup all over his mm. face. That's from this movie. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, this is a big movie in terms of cult classic in the UK, mm-hmm. big time. All right, then we have Velvet Goldmine, which I'm not familiar with. That's what we just talked about. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Clearly you're not familiar with sorry, it. Sorry, sorry. All the Little Animals, that's what I'm not familiar with. So All the Little Animals is a movie. He actually plays um, a mentally challenged um, teenager, and his father, his stepfather is a— Oh, this is the one with John Hurt, right? With John Hurt. Gotcha. His stepfather is an abusive st- stepfather who's trying to control him and send him off to a mental institution, and he, he befriends this old man named John Hurt, and also the character He Loves Animals. And he meets this character, John Hurt, who is this old man who wanders the countryside burying, um, what do you call it when animals run over, what are they called? Uh, uh, roadkill. Roadkill. He, he buries roadkilled animals as a way of returning them back to nature. 
And so he befriends this old man who is a coming of age movie about him being able to overcome his stepfather. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a nice, sweet movie. It's, it's nothing special. It, it feels like, it feels like a TV movie. It was a theatrical film, but it not, it was, it was pretty good, but directed by Jeremy Thomas. But he's a great, great acting in it though. Excellent. Of course, he's Christian Bale. Let's see, what else did he do next? Then we have another Shakespeare, at, not Shakespeare, but another theatrical adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream. Is that Shakespeare? Uh, I, I think, think so. so. Yeah, I think it's Shakespeare. And he plays Demetrius, and he's still, like, he's working with amazing actors, but I don't even think he made the cover, the poster for this movie, and they have all the characters on it. And but, I mean, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. Stanley Tucci, um, who else we got? Dominic West. So, tons of big, big actors. Yeah, exactly. And then- Sam uh, Rockwell's in it, yeah, too. Yeah, so, no way. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then 2000 was- his biggest year before Batman and obviously American Psycho is what catapulted him into fame and stardom and really launched his career as a leading actor. And this is the most important step in his career, you, you could say. Getting this role, yeah, because and that's probably, I think, something he recognized because that's how much devotion you put into trying just to get the role where, you know, the studios wanted Leonardo DiCaprio, they wanted Ewan McGregor, who was basically pretty much cast, and then Mary Hammond really wanted Christian Bale, and, and then they eventually passed. And we've talked about, we did a whole episode on American Psycho, and then we, we all know about the phone call where he called Ewan up. He's like, hey, man, I need this role. And Ewan's like, all right, bro, take it. And so he let him take it, and the rest is history. But he still spent a year preparing for the role, assuming he was going to be cast in it, even though he didn't have the role as Patrick Bateman to stay prepared. And he was still very young. He was only 26. Imagine that. He's 26, and he's Patrick Bateman. And he looks he, – he just has that maturity. He has a mature look to him. Mm -hmm. And also he has – Where he looks young and, like, old at the same time. Exactly. So he doesn't – he look, doesn't look like he's 26, but he is. He looks like he's, like, maybe 30, like 31, but he's – He's still so young in this movie, but his talent exceeds his age. And this movie, he really showed the world like what he can do and showed how talented he was. I mean, if you if you watch that movie, and then you learn like that guy's a British British actor. You'd be like, that guy's British. His he, his American yuppie accent was perfect and spot on. And also his commitment to the craft and to the story and really going to the extreme and not holding back at all and just putting everything into the role, it really paid off. And it's what makes the movie. Like, yeah. No, I really stand by the fact that no other actor could have done what he did and made that movie work. Yeah, to not be from America and like nail that yuppie Wall Street Ivy League kid and just to the T, it was perfect. And he's definitely in the top five category of greatest performances of insane psychopaths and one of the best villains ever yeah absolutely it's just one of the most iconic roles of all time and it's so hard that the tone of that movie between the horror and the comedy and just like the dry humor it's such a, we a weird line to walk and he just walked it beautifully and he he balanced it out and made it just, just everything worked and clicked and i don't think anyone could have done it better in the same year he was also in shaft which came out in 2000 also and he was a villain in it right yeah so he did american cycle first and then shaft after and they asked they asked him to do shaft because obviously seeing american cycle and the character in shaft plays and he's another yuppie he's not a sociopathic murderer serial killer but he's also like he is a, a ruthless killer and ultimately I believe Christian Bale didn't want to play another villain, especially one who's so similar to Pat Bateman in terms of what their character is, where they where they live, what they do for work. But I think that he couldn't pass up the opportunity to work with Sam Jackson also. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to 
reach more audiences in America because American Psycho, as great as it is, didn't make that much money. Mm-hmm. And so maybe Shaft would be a bigger way for him to make a splash in terms of American audiences. But ultimately, that movie was a big letdown and disappointment. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and then let's see, Laurel Canyon, which was in 2003, and that's a movie that is actually Francis McDormand's in too. She Christian plays Bale, his mother. Kate Beckinsale. Um, so awesome cast. And it's a, it's a nice family drama. It's nothing special, but it, it's like interweaving stories and then there's there's romance and jealousy and and infidelity and then Frances McDormand plays a mom who's kind of like uh she's still like acting like a teenager like partying and doing drugs and always having parties at the house and people over and Christian Bale's character has to stay with her for like a week for I can't remember for some reason I think for like a job interview something for work and and he's and it shows how like they at the he doesn't want her to be her, his mom but then they, I, through the course of the film, they they develop a strong bond, that, which they always had the potential for. It's a nice movie, but you, and Christian Bale, Kate Beckinsale, great cast, great young cast. They're both super young in it, but you know, I think they're just both making their names in the industry. And then 2002 was actually a great year because he made Reign of Fire, which is an awesome, awesome movie. This is so cool because not only is it like a new kind of role for Christian Bale, he's starting to like become like a leading man on his own now, and he's the lead of this action movie with dragons, but he's also starring opposite Matthew McConaughey, and both are in very unusual roles for what they usually are, especially McConaughey. doesn't even... He's not. He's unrecognizable in this movie, which I love about it. I really like this movie Me a too. lot. It's awesome. There, it's cheesy at times. It's There's not some perfect, plot holes, yeah. but like it's still a really cool concept. Yeah, and the the special, the visual effects look amazing. The dragons look awesome, and I just, I just adore dragons. And it was, it's a really cool concept, honestly. Yeah. And and you know, Christian Bale, he proved that he could lead a big budget movie. This movie wasn't super successful or or critically acclaimed, but it showed that like he, if you have him in the right circumstances. He could really flourish, and you know also I mean? like taking on the mantle of like that noble hero leader character, which will obviously set him up for later on in the Batman trilogy. This was like the probably the first role you could argue where he did that is in a main role. It is oh, the, def- movie. Yeah, the first yeah, one. It is the first one. Yeah. So he's like a leader of this, uh, this the last of humanity that they think of. Yeah. When you when you are the lead actor or actress in a movie that costs 150 million dollars to make, that's a really big deal. And when you do a good job, obviously the movie wasn't a loved, but I, I dare you find someone who, if they saw Rain of Fire, to say that Christian Bale wasn't great in it. Oh, he's the best part of the movie. He's jacked in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because they have, like, no food. They, like, survive on tomatoes. Yeah. But him and McConaughey are both just yoked out of their minds. What happened was he initially prepared for his character to be, to be scrawny and skinny because it makes sense for the world they live in. They're barely eating. And so he actually showed up to the set while they were in pre-production and he had lost a ton of weight and no muscle mass. And then he saw Matthew McConaughey had gotten jacked. <laughs> of course and, he did. And so he started working out and bulking up just so he could compete with McConaughey. Yeah, you're right, because you have to kind of match your opposite in a film like that. You can't just be like the skinny, scrawny guy if McConaughey is going to be jacked. And also because they have a fight where McConaughey's character wins, but the Christian Bale's character does put up a bit of a fight. Yeah. So it wouldn't make sense if he weighed 110 pounds and, and was putting up a fight against McConaughey. Yeah. But McConaughey is a funny story. So he's bought, he shaved his head for that movie, right? He's yeah. got shaved head and beard. And the reason why he did this is because McConaughey admitted admitted that he was losing his hair badly. Oh yeah, and for so, sure. And so this is a he, before he got before he started making this movie, he was looking at himself at his hair, and he's like, you know what, it's happening. I'm balding. Let me just shave it off. So he shaved it off, and actually, it pissed off the studio and his agents because they're like, hey, you're Matthew McConaughey. You can't shave your head. He's like, I'm losing my hair. He's like whatever. And then while he was making this movie, he discovered this project, this uh, um, product called I think Reginix. 
and it's a hair restoration cream. And so he, while he was making this movie, he bought this and started, and you'd rub it on your head every day. And he did this for two years, rubbing this cream on his shaved head. And when his he when he let his hair grow back, it came back full and thick. Yeah, BS, dude. Hey, that's what. There's man. no no. He got a hair transplant. He just want to admit it. Know, that's like that's like all these celebrities and actors say like they're not on juice and they just get enormous <laughs> in like two months and like oh it was chicken and broccoli. No one gets jacked on chicken and broccoli. Just like you can't you don't rub cream on your head for a year and two years and hair comes back full. He got a hair transplant. It's just an excuse, but it is what it is. No, it's uh, bro. You don't. That look, his hair looks good. Th- there's no like that doesn't happen, especially 2002. They didn't have the products they had. They didn't have like Propecia and what they got out now. They didn't have the technology. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the dude got a hair transplant. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. With it's it. just a, a, that's a, he admits that he was balding, but to yeah. say I think it's just like a stigma if you say you got a hair transplant versus like I rubbed some magic cream on it <laughs> and it grew back full. And also, BS. I guess it makes sense because that product would have taken off. Dude, exactly. You see what I mean? It's all BS. <laughs> that product would have like destroyed and, for sure. Yeah, like millions of people. Why wouldn't they it. make that their their number one tagline? Matthew yeah. McConaughey's hair <laughs> grew back full. Do so you want to look like Matthew McConaughey? It, Get Reginex cream and rub it all over your body, and you will look like Bigfoot. His hair was really thinning. Like if you look yeah. at movies from like the late nineties, it was it was going. Yeah, is yeah. where it is. Some but people, it, yeah. it looks great now. Hey, dude, I don't even care if you get a hair transplant. Who yeah. cares? Yeah, no one cares. But I think it, again, it has that stigma. But for no, a back movie then star. there was a stigma. I think hair transplants and any kind of surgery like that back then in the early 2000s, I think there was still like a like a taboo about it. And it was kind of embarrassing to even think about. But if you say it was like it was an accident, I rubbed, <laughs> I fell down, and this cream fell on my head for two years straight. <laughs> I don't think he was telling anyone. All right, we're we're going too long about Matthew right, McConaughey's yeah. hair loss. But also in 2002, <laughs> Christian Bale, who we're talking about. He also came out with Equilibrium, which I think is a very underrated sci-fi film because yeah. it captured this like very dystopian world, sort of like 1984 V for Vendetta vibe where the entire world is desensitized to emotions that the government makes them by – has performed by making them take daily pills. And he's a character who he enforces the law for the government. He's, a, he's like an agent, but he starts to not take those pills anymore. He starts to feel emotions again. He and also has a major inspiration from Fahrenheit 451, the famous book where in this movie, they're burning all books. And he plays a character who enforces the burning of books. And then and Sean Bean plays a character who like sparks his interest in actually, you know, reading something. And that's what eventually sparks his inspiration and desire to to feel emotion. Plus his trauma from his past. Yeah. And, from uh, his, his wife passed away, right? Exactly. Yeah. And the, ultimately, this movie was a huge failure. It made zo- very little money. And this was touted as being the next Matrix. This was supposed to be like kung fu, sci-fi action with cool suits and and awesome martial arts and it's it's a fun movie and it is good it's super it, i think it's very underrated and oh, even, it bombed five million on a 20 million dollar budget yeah so a big failure in terms of the film it, people were expecting it to be like the next matrix and it just didn't have anything in, in terms of the storytelling quality of filmmaking also there there is a little bit of cheesiness to it in terms of the kung fu gunfighting. i thought it was cool when i was 12 yeah yeah, we we loved it's it. It's very cool. It's, yeah. it's I think the gunfighting is awesome because it's like it was like this new style of close quarters handgun fighting with with like both your dual pistol wielding close quarters combat. Yeah, while fighting while you're shooting. It was pretty wild yeah. to see. The director actually created the the fighting style in his own backyard. It looked like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's a little cheesy. It is a little cheesy. So it doesn't look like it's something that would make sense at all in terms of working. Um, like, why not just take a step back and shoot him? Yeah. 
it, that, it, that's where it, it takes you out of the reality of it. The concept is really great, yeah. though. I Visual, really like the concept. Visuals are great, too. And Christian Bale is phenomenal in it. He's absolutely fantastic, and like he always is. And once again, just like Rain of Fire, these are, these are two big releases, but neither of the movies really caught with audiences. But people were seeing that he really was a talented actor, for sure. But he was also taking these odd roles, which was cool, because I don't think a lot of people would have done uh, Equilibrium if they didn't. You know, I don't think so either. It's, it's one of those chancy role, just like the machinist. Like, who would take the role of the machinist besides someone like Christian Bale? I mean, that role, he went down to 120 pounds, and that was his first real physical transformation that we saw that was looked dangerous, drastic, and you know, dangerous. Obviously, the transformation for American Psycho. I'm sure he was a very strict diet, did it for a year and a half, and you know, that takes a lot of work and discipline. But going down to 120 pounds, and he's like six feet tall. He went down to 110. That's very 110. No, 120. You're yeah, right. 120. He went. He went from. He lost 63 pounds in total. And he's six foot tall. That's yeah. insane because he's, he was literally skin and bones, which he was in the movie. And the director didn't even want him to do this. He's like, oh, we'll we'll fake it with like a lot of camera trickery and lighting, and and we'll we'll figure it out. But no, he's, what I what I read is that the director didn't even know he was doing it. No, it's not that he didn't know. He's like, we don't have to do it. Yeah. Well, I believe what I read is that he, Christian Bale apparently showed up on set and the director was surprised at his weight loss. I think maybe they said, yeah, I'll get skinny, but not that skinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's he, part of the character to be yeah. very thin. And he lost the weight by just eating one can of tuna and an apple every day. And just obviously- And from, coffee. And coffee. So from that huge loss of calories every day, he was, he was probably losing a pound a day, that much, that much fat. And this character, it's it's really interesting story. It's it's a little confusing at times. It's about this industrial worker who hasn't slept in a year, and he begins to obviously uh, like kind of lose his mind. And as you watch it, you kind of lose your mind at the same time. Mm. But it's a it's a great great weird little movie, and Jennifer Jason Leigh's in it as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and but just she wa- plays the sex worker, right? Yeah, yeah, and just watching him in this role, it's the you've never seen Christian Bale like this. He's like. And he looks like he's just exhausted, and he really sold that part of the character of someone who hasn't slept. And and if you don't, if you're sleep deprived, you will hallucinate, and you will have delusions. It's a real thing, and you won't know what's reality and what's not reality. And that's what the whole point of the movie is blending together. And it's a, it's a great movie. Not many people saw it, but it is infamous for how he transformed his body and also began that notoriety he has for it. Yeah. And speaking of wild transformations. Our friends at Manscaped.com have cleared the way for takeoff of their fourth-generation brand-new lawnmower 4.0 groomer, not just available in the United States anymore, but also in the UK, Canada, Europe, Australia, Singapore, Singapore, and South Africa. So head on over to Manscaped.com and get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer using our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. This brand-new groomer, it's waterproof, skin-safe, has a 7,000 RPM motor, wireless charger, built-in light, which is the best feature of all time. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's like game changer. It's amazing. So, fellas, get on manscaped.com. Get yourself some amazing products that will last you years and years and things you'll actually use. Everyone listening, if you got a man in your life and you don't know what to get them for their birthday, they're really hard to shop for, or, you know, it's like a or, or an anniversary or a I love you gift or hey, take this hint gift, go to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their grooming needs. Christian Bale could have used it in Reign of Fire. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Represent the hairy chest. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's he's, true. Got, he's got a little bit going on. All right, let's what else do we have? So 2005, he came out with Harsh Times, which the movie Well, Batman Begins came out first. Oh, uh, did it? Well, they both came out in 2005. Yeah. 
Well, I'm already on harsh times. So yeah, let's cares? just get into let's it. Let's get in harsh times. Jeez, we're, are we going by date? Like year? I mean month? <laughs> harsh times was directed by and written by David Ayer, right? Yeah, this is one of his first movies that he made. It's his directorial debut. It's a pretty cool movie. I actually like it. I like Christian Bale's character a lot because he plays this guy who like grew up in the hood and he speaks fluent Spanish, but he was also in the um army and the special forces and he's being recruited to go on missions down in is it brazil or somewhere in bolivia something like or or uh, costa rica i think or no colombia and um so it's about like a 24-hour period where he has to go through all the protocols of like the drug test and an interview while he's hanging out with his old best friend friend and his wife and then he convinces his best bud to like go on this one last uh, binger and a lot of terrible things happen and I don't know. I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's it's a pretty cool ride. Yeah, it's a cool movie. He's he plays an antihero and he plays a really hard guy and an aggressive man. And he actually he made this after Batman Begins, and I think he wanted to like completely do something different from Bruce Wayne, so he shaved his head and got some ta- fake tats and did this movie. And surprised he did a, real tats. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it couldn't be di- more different from Bruce Wayne. And I think that he did a fantastic job. Not many people saw it again, but it's still a great indie film. David Ayer actually based the story on his own life uh, growing up in South L.A. And doing the things that, and a lot of things that uh, Christian Bale's character did in the movie, he did in real life growing up. Every time I iron a shirt, I, I quote this movie. I go, like a piano. Like a piano. If you've seen this movie, you know what's up. All right, all right so He's yeah. very funny in this movie. Oh, yeah, he's, he's hilarious. He's got so much it's charm. A, it's a cool character. Yeah. I, I like him a lot. Great, great character. But obviously, Batman Begins also 2005. Oh, yeah. We've, we've talked about this so much. And honestly, it might be my favorite Batman movie. I think about it. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think I might like it better than Dark Knight. Well, I'm telling you, the first act of that movie is one of the best first acts of the last Everything 20 years. about it, because I love the Dark Knight. It's a perfect movie. It's the best superhero movie ever made. But I just love the concept of exploring this character of this, of this, of this young man who loses everything despite having everything. He's got immense wealth and and uh, inheritance, but his fa- family's gone. And what he decides to do with his life is stop, not just fight crime and not just like stop bad guys, but he's trying to save his entire city from decay. And I just think that you came back to fight for your city. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the concept of just studying that character and to learn and understand why he would make those decisions—it's just fascinating. Well, that's what we never saw in, the, in any Batman movies. I yeah. mean, yeah, Michael Keaton was great as Bruce Wayne, but it wasn't like a character piece. Like it wasn't this. an origin. You know, what I mean, he has—he just is a charming guy in those movies. But in this movie, like Christian Bale and Chris Nolan really tapped into what would drive that character and the psychology behind the character. And, and Christian Bale famously won the role because he's the only actor who, during the audition process, actually used a different voice for the Batman character. Where were the other drugs going? Where were the other drugs going? Oh, yours is way better. Swear to me. Swear to me. Yours sucks. <laughs> My trailer voice you is You can good. be the Scarecrow. It doesn't suck. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's basically Killian Murphy didn't get Batman, so he became Scarecrow. Exactly. And But Christian Bale, like, I think he's the best Batman, and I don't think he'll be topped in... I think Robert Pattinson's going to do an excellent job, and it'll be a very di- different take on Batman. But even so, I feel as though this portrayal of Bruce Wayne and Batman, I think in terms of how I view the character, is to the T, like, perfect for my imagination of it. True. I also love Ben Affleck, and I wish we could have got a solo Ben Affleck Batman movie because that might have changed a lot of people's opinions on that because I think he did a phenomenal job I as think well. a lot of people liked him as Batman. Yeah, but I still think Christian Bale, for me, is my go-to Batman. But yeah, I'm so curious to see what Pattinson does with it. But I, this is an ex- a movie-going experience. I remember seeing it in theaters with Dad 
and you and just being like, this is awesome. This might be the most viewed movie of my life. It's up there for sure. And I think I could quote this movie more than anyone, any other movie. I think I quote it the most in general. Thanks to AMC. Yeah. They had it on their license on their channel for like 10 years. Not even just that, but I've I've literally put on, I put on like three times a year just because. Yeah, I love it. I'm not even kidding. The music... The, the cinematography, James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer, one, Le- two points. Liam, Heans- Liam Neeson and Christian Bale sharing scenes together. It's so it's great. epic. We, I mean, obviously, you all know we've done our Batman trilogy episode, but we should do solo episodes just on each of them. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then in 2005, another banger. Wow, he did three movies releases here. I wouldn't call this one a banger. All right, so, well, <laughs> we think it's a great movie. Yeah, I movie. think it's a banger. So The New World, which is a Terrence Malick movie, which is basically the Pocahontas story, mm-hmm. but a very more like realistic Terrence Malick approach to... The settlers in Virginia at the time, right? Is it Virginia? It's right on the coast. I don't know where it is. Actually. I think it's Virginia. It could be, yeah. It could be Virginia. And it's it's honestly one of the most beautiful films ever made. Emmanuel Lubeski shot it. He's been the cinematographer for most of Terrence Malick's movies since the tree since the yeah the Tree of Life. And Christian Bale plays uh, the secondary character to Pocahontas. His love interest, Colin Farrell, plays the lead. And Pocahontas uh, does he play John Smith? Basically, yeah, Colin Farrell does. Yeah, and then what happens is, um, they have their relationship becomes disillusioned, and then she falls in love with Christian Bale's character, John Rolfe. But it's amazing filmmaking. Uh, T- Terrence Malick is a very unique filmmaker. He's very uh, secluded. People don't. He doesn't allow interviews. There's and, like three photos of him online. Yeah, and he generally, <laughs> yeah, there are really. He generally doesn't write scripts. He wrote a script for this one and for The Thin Red Line, but no matter, even if he does write a script, he will edit the movie in a completely different way that has nothing to do with the script. He tends to make his movies based upon feelings and ideas rather than story. He shoots a lot, and he shoots a ton of ton of coverage, and he often uses narration, but his movies, there are, are nobody makes movies like Terrence Malick. A lot of people find them boring and repetitive and kind of weird and stale, but when I watch a Terrence Malick movie, I see some, a really... A real artist at work who's made a really a huge their own dent in filmmaking history you know what i mean yeah he's got his own specific style he's probably the king of realism for american filmmakers for sure but the thin red line is a perfect example just to go keep going on terry for a little bit where he that that movie was supposed to be a starring vehicle role for adrian brody he was about to break out and this was going to be his big movie everyone's like oh you're in the new terrence malick movie it's a war movie he was on the cover of all the magazines before it and then at the premiere he's sitting he sits down to watch the movie and jim uh caviezel is the lead character of the movie so terry just like you said he goes by how the story is going and that's how he'll write and follow the movie so he fall ended up following that character instead of adrian Brody's character and adrian Brody's character actually seems very weak in the film too he doesn't even have any lines he's just he's just a couple shots where he's a couple shots where he looks scared yeah whereas he was like the lead of the movie when they made the movie and also in in the new world christopher Plummer, 90 percent of his scenes were cut and so, he got so mad, and he says he he said he would never work with Moloch ever again. It happens on pretty much every Moloch movie. Like, there's a chance you might not even be the, in the movie, even yeah. if you're an A-list actor. Exactly. He doesn't care. And But his movies are so incredible that every A-list actor wants to work with him. That's And he gets, like, like his last couple movies, like Cate Blanchett, Christian Bale, Rooney Mara, Natalie Portman, Javier Bardem, um, like, and Ben Affleck, so many. And they don't make any money. His movies don't earn money, and they don't pay their actors, like— they just do it just because they want the experience. Yeah, it's it might be the most artistic filmmaking that you can do and most expressive. And I mean, we always talk, we've talked about Tree of Life might be the best movie ever made, but no one talks about it. Yeah, 
for sure. Let's do one more, and then we'll go into intermission. So, oh, let's do Rescue Dawn. Yeah, Rescue Dawn, which came out in 2006. And this is a great movie. It's one of those movies where in his filmography, it's so <laughs> dense, it just kind of gets lost in there. Yeah, and Werner Herzog made this in... He's made a combination of documentaries and narrate, narrative films, and this is one of his better narrative films. It's really sensational. It's a great survivor story. Christian Bale plays Dieter Dangler, who was a real POW uh, in Vietnam. Fighter pilot gets yeah, shot down. Exactly, and he gets put into this prisoner of war camp where there are three other men who have been in the camp as well, and they are they basically have little to eat each day and are just trapped in this hut and in this encompassing boundary uh, indefinitely treated below human. Yeah, while this war is raging on on the outside, and and he, Dieter Dangler is such a a great character. He's endlessly positive and upbeat, and never loses his confidence and his ability to get out. And it's his a never ending drive for survival, which really is the heartbeat of the movie. And he, Christian Bale perfectly captured it. Yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, I highly recommend putting it on your watch list soon because it's an epic. And like, it, even when you think the movie is about to be over, there's still like 40 minutes left into yeah. it, and it really shows the degradation or the or the, what happens to people when they break down emotionally, psychologically, yeah. physically in these kinds of settings. And it's also reminiscent of Empire of the Sun. With yeah, that character definitely. Too. Yeah, and there's actually a scene in both of them where a pilot flies right into their face. Well, in Dieter Dangler recounts. Oh yeah, you're right, and he screams at it. Yeah, exactly. For different reasons. Yeah, for real. And But it's a great movie. And Christian Bale is super charming and very funny and very sweet in this movie. All right, now let's head into our intermission. And we'll start with our movie quote competition. Like always, I have two, one from a fan and one from me. So I'll start with our quote from Brooke Shanks. Let's hear it, Brooke. The world is full of many things and many people, and I shan't be lonely. Many things and many people. It's a classic. An old one. An old one? It's from Gone with the Wind. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. Good job. All right. And this is from me. I didn't ask for a shrink. That must have been somebody else. Also, that pudding isn't mine. Also, I'm wearing this suit today because I had a very important meeting this morning and I don't have a crying problem. Say it again. I, I'll try to say like the character. No, I, I didn't ask for a shrink. That must have been somebody else. Also, this pudding isn't mine. Also, I'm wearing the suit today because I had a very important meeting this morning, and I don't have a crying problem. Don't have a crying problem. Oh, what is it? I feel like... You're going to hate yourself. <sighs> I feel like you're doing a, an accurate characterization. All right, tell me. Uh, it's uh, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, my God. Barry. Yeah. The pudding. How did I not get the pudding? Yeah. Oh, I'm such a bonehead. All right, here's mine. I'm here for two things and two things only. Kicking ass and chewing bubble gum. And I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought it was going to be the Anchorman quote that uh, <laughs> Christina Applegate says. Um, I don't know. They live. What's they live? It's the uh, with Roddy Rowdy Piper. And he puts oh. on the sunglasses and he sees that all yeah. the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what he says when he walks in and he starts beating up all the all killing all the ones in the bank. Gotcha. I haven't seen that in a while. Alright, yeah. guess this movie release here. The Shining. Nineteen eighty. Nice. Look at that. That's right, easy. right in the spot. <laughs> that's easy. Just one. keeping you on your toes. <laughs> let the right one in. So let the right one in, which is the Swedish one. The, the original. Yeah. Let's see, the sequel, Let Me In, was made, what, like 2007? So that means 
Let Me In, or Let the Right One In, was about 2002. You're way off. Is it in the 90s? 2008. What was Let Let, let Me In was not even that long ago. Was yeah. it? Well, yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz was still Oh, a yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't I'd know say it was like 2013. Maybe. I was way off. Yeah. It's okay. Wow, that was, we ter- all make that was a terrible guess. <laughs> it was really bad. When you said the, the remake was 2007, I was like, oh, he's going to be way off. <laughs> <laughs> if you all haven't seen it, it's one of my favorite horror movies. We love it. <laughs> Let the right one in, the Swedish one. Especially because Matt Reeves made it. No, the Swedish one. Oh, well, the, I mean, the, Let the me remake. Let me great the remake. Re- the remake. Yeah. Matt Reeves made it because he's doing the Batman yeah. in the Planet of the Apes trilogy. That's true. Well, the, the last two. That's right. He didn't do the original. All right, movie pop quiz time. In Wally, what Wally. does Wally stand for? Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> is, it all, is it all an acronym? Yeah, it's an acronym. Every letter is part of the acronym? Yeah, every letter of Wally is part oh, of the acronym. Oh, man. I have no idea. Waste allocation load lifter, earth class. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, okay, here's mine. What movie did The Rock and Mark Wahlberg star in together? Oh, what's that? What's that called? The um, the steroid one. Ah, uh, uh, pumped or no? Uh, want a hint? Sure. You can't get any blank without some blank. Guns? No, I don't know. Pain and gain. Pains and gain. Pain and gain. Yeah, pain <sighs> and gain. Who made that movie? Michael Bay. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, man. I, yeah. All right. It's one of his best movies. It could be his best movie. Uh, I like Transformers, the original. And ba- no, Bad Boys is his best movie. The Rock is really good. Okay, The Rock is really good because that's secretly a James Bond movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cage and Sean Connery, sign me up. Biggest hate of the week? Who we got? Oh, yeah, we got a good one. Let me let me pull up this hater. Yeah, The Rock is literally, that's a Bond movie. It's awesome. <laughs> Brendan Twin wrote in a TikTok clip, she could have died? Really? You guys are too dramatic. Unsubscribed <laughs> for the Kill Bill clip. <laughs> Unsubscribed. And also, Sub2 Audie Kirby wrote, anyone would be so blessed to look at the back of his head, uh, Ron Weasley's head. Obviously didn't do your research. Unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have two biggest supporters of the week. Let's hear them. First one is Zach Dorcas. Definitely not twins. <laughs> Fine podcast, but they're clearly not twins. <laughs> it's just one guy, probably named Janthony, talking to himself. Have you ever seen them in the same place at the same time? I thought not. Unsubscribed. <laughs> that might be the best review. That's amazing. That's so, so funny. funny. So funny. I thought I thought it was going to be like a nice one, but I love that the whole thing was sarcastic. I thought not. <laughs> Fine podcast. <laughs> All right. And then uh, Leia. 2047. These cool nerds. These guys are like the these guys are like the dudes in high school who would start interesting conversations in class and make spot on points about any topic. I love movies. Listening to these cool dudes just talk about every movie out there. It really makes my day more interesting. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Ten out of ten. It's Thank a perfect you score. So much. Ten out of ten. That's awesome. Thanks, Leah. Appreciate it. On this day in film history, today is August 9th. In 1969, Sharon Tate. Uh, was murdered by the Masons gang at age 26. And uh, then it's also Eric Bana, Gillian Anderson, and Sam Elliott's birthday. 
Not a bunch of very good movies came out this day. <laughs> yeah, clearly we just did birthdays. Yeah, I just skipped it all. It was, they're all pretty trash. They're just not worth mentioning. <laughs> Streaming recommendation. I have on Amazon Prime, Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest movie. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It's so good. It got nominated for Best Picture, and it was his second Best Director nomination, and I really think it's a, a, an outstanding movie. Yeah, it's very, obviously all PTA's movies are underrated and underappreciated, and Johnny Greenwood's score is phenomenal as always. I mean, the House of Woodcock song is just yeah. gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. Yeah. All right, let's get back into our actor spotlight on the great let's Christian go. Bale, and we're on. We're getting good now. The Prestige. She's only made like good movies from here on, except for one. Uh, the Prestige came out in 2006. We've talked about this briefly. This deserves its own episode. People ask for it. We love this movie. I, I love the book, too, as well. It's pretty different. It has an 8.4 on IMDb. But um, The Prestige, is it's a brilliant movie. It's one of Chris Nolan's most underrated. I could even see people putting it in their top three, and I have no problem with it, of course, because it's that fantastic. We have great, great cast with Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale. We have Scarlett Johansson, um, Michael Caine, obviously. David Bowie. David Bowie plays uh, Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla. So Rebecca it's, Hall. Rebecca Hall, yeah, right. So the cast is absurdly good. The story is fantastic. It's a phenomenal twist, and I love everything about it. And they squeeze this in between Batman and Begins in Dark Knight, and it's so great to see. It's the only one he's done, but to see Chris Nolan do a period piece. Mm -hmm. I love his aesthetic and his style of filmmaking and storytelling in a period piece setting. It's really fascinating. And, and Christian Bale plays a very complex role, very complicated role. And the more times you watch it, the better it gets. Yeah, we're not going to spoil it because we understand that maybe if you're tuning in just to hear about Christian Bale, well, you don't want to hear the plot of the movies. I swear this I won't one, say it. This one, you don't want to know the plot going in because it's a great twist. So check it out soon. I adore this movie. It's great. And then 2007, next year, he came out with 310 to Yuma, which is one of my favorite Westerns ever made. It's it's When it comes to remakes... We got asked about this in our Ask Us Anything question, how we feel about remakes. This is a remake done well. Yeah. 310 to Yuma is fantastic. It makes it makes the movie better. It has a better ending because in the ending of the original, um, Dan and – was it Roy? I think so. I can't remember. It's Roy O'Bannon, right? Royal Bannon? No, that doesn't that's sound right. That's from something else. Yeah, that's something else. That's, that's Owen Wilson. Yeah, it's <laughs> Shanghai <laughs> Noon. <laughs> but uh, Christian Bale and Russell Crowe's characters – are supposed to get on the train together and they like and those two characters they like wave and they're like yeah they shake hands and the train takes off and it's a happy ending but in this movie it ends much differently i won't spoil it if you have ben seen wade it. ben wade okay dan and ben wade they they make it in the end but in this one well i'm kind of spoiling it but it's just a great 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 adaptation and watching these two guys powerhouse actors working together in each scene is so much fun it's worth the price of admission uh, it's a great score by marco marco beltrami and, and christian bale plays a really really great character someone who is haunted by his past and he's he has one leg and you know he's trying to help his family survive doing everything he can to to you know do the right thing and he when a move when, when an opportunity comes up that pays really well he just jumps on it as a way to provide for his family, and that's his driving force. And he ultimately is just a, a good father, trying to be a good father and husband, and he gets mixed up in this gang. Yeah. Not in the gang, but trying to bring yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. he's got he's been dealt a, a crappy hand in life. You know, like you said, one leg, and he's also trying to succeed at this mission with this horrible, evil character played by Russell Crowe. And it's great to watch their relationship and how their characters grow together throughout the film. Love it. Love this movie. And next up, we have I'm Not There, which is a really interesting movie because it is uh, this chapter episodic film about uh, Bob Dylan and the filmmaker 
cast uh, seven actors to play Bob Dylan in different, you could say, short films, which all are connected in the entire film. And, for example, Kate Blanchett plays Bob Dylan in one short, and then Christian Bale plays Bob Dylan in another, and then Heath Ledger plays Bob Dylan in another. But also what's interesting is each character, they're not named Bob Dylan. They all have their own different names, and they're like uh, Christian Bale plays a preacher in this in this film, but they all imbue certain characteristics and even say things that Bob Dylan has said. And so it's a really fascinating way to portray an iconic figure in history. Yeah, it's a really cool movie. Check it out if you guys haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. And then 2008, we have The Dark Knight. Again, we've talked about it with our trilogy. We're going to do a solo episode on it. Greatest superhero movie ever made that won't get changed. Chris Nolan's arguably best movie. Um, you know, this changed the game with what superhero movies could be. Changed the Oscars with now we have up to 10 nominations for Best Picture because it didn't get nominated. But, you know, we all have seen it. It's It's The Dark Knight. We don't have to say anything else besides that, really. <laughs> this is the movie that puts you on top of the world. And Christian Bale, after this movie, super ultra A-list, mm -hmm. top of the top of the industry. And from this moment on, he can do whatever he wants. You know what I mean? After The Dark Knight, whatever movie you want to do, whatever filmmaker you want to work with, they'll it'll happen. Unfortunately, he did Terminator Salvation next in 2009, <laughs> which, which we talked about earlier. And this movie is straight trash. I'm not going to lie. It's not good at all. It's not good. I my guess is he probably loves Terminator and really liked the idea of playing John Connor because you know the John Connor in Rise of the Machines not a good character and I can't remember that actor's name nothing memorable about it so I think that he was like envisioning like I, I can make a really great recreation of the character and maybe we can start a new franchise and you know McGee probably was like oh it's gonna be this awesome like wartime movie it's gonna be like gritty and and like handheld and we're gonna change the tone and style of the franchise and it's gonna be like hardcore and then ultimately like it just didn't work and the story just just kind of dumb and it, it they try to be too complex when just go with simplicity oh yeah that's what works best especially with with these weird sci-fi movies i mean the terminator the original so simple yeah why why mess with it mm -hmm. keep it simple keep it easy Keep it fun. The action sequences don't even work well for me in this movie. Terminator seems to work best when the scale is small. Yeah. Not when the, the whole world is like at odds and like Skynet is this giant, huge thing. It, the best two, two Terminator movies are very small in, in scope where there's just one villain and one hero and that's it. But I mean, you know, it's not, you, he probably had the best intentions, but it just, you know, it didn't work out. I'm sure he got paid well, but. Ultimately, like, nobody is going to ever remember this movie. Yeah, some movies fail. That's the way it is. Yeah. But luckily, he also had a great movie come out that year, Public Enemies, directed by Michael Mann. And he played Melvin Purvis, who was the lead investigator tracking down um, John Dillinger. And he's actually um, considered one of possibly – he could be the man who killed – uh, John Dillinger, it's actually unclear. It's disputed by two people, him and another person, who also claims that he shot Don J John Dillinger, but he ultimately led the the entire um, mission mission of finding him and killing him. Yeah, I love this movie. It's so great. I love these these uh, crime epics like this movie. Johnny Depp's phenomenal in this movie as John Dillinger, and just watching them two in the same scenes together is epic. And the, the character of John Dillinger, he caused the government to form the FBI. You know, this is yeah. the, the bureau was founded as its first task was finding John Dillinger and also getting a grasp of the the crime wave in the country of bank robberies. 
And so this was the biggest case of the year. John Dillinger was more famous than the Pope in America. And mm -hmm. everyone thought he was like the coolest guy in the world. And he's a rock but, al star. but also he was, you know, he was ruthless. He killed people. But, you know, it's a great, great movie if you haven't seen it. And then 2010, The Fighter came out. You know, he played Dickie Eklund, Pride of Lowell's brother. And Mickey Ward, my younger so, brother. So Dickie uh, was... Mickey Ward, the boxer from Lowell, Massachusetts, brother, older brother, who was also one of his trainers. And it's the story about Mickey Ward and how he had the ups and downs of his great career. And he had that trilogy of fights, which I I'm, I keep hearing rumors that they're going to make like sequels to this movie to go with the trilogy. But, I mean, Christian Bale's performance in this, the guy is, looks like he's from Boston, sounds like he's from Boston. And it's not easy to do that. He looks like he's really smoking drugs. It's insane. Like, he, like he's really high. It's an, an unbelievable acting. He... He deserved the Oscar. It's one of the best performances of the century. He just looks... Then the Dickie character... When you watch footage of the real Dickie and you watch Christian Bale, you're like, it. it's like the same person. Because there's a footage at the end of the roll credits where yeah. it shows the real Dickie and Mickey together. And it's like, that's insane. Yeah. This, How do you do that? This is the movie I think that really made people think, oh, Christian Bale is probably one of the best actors of all time after they saw him in this movie. Transformation, yeah. huge too as well with the weight loss and then what they what they do with his hair and his teeth and just his overall look of, like you said, he looks like he's on meth. There's a story that um, there's a PA who was guarding one of the doors to a set and Christian Bale tried to get in with his security guard and the PA wouldn't let them inside. He's like, I'm sorry, sir, this is this is a movie set. You're not allowed in because he thought he was really a crack addict. <laughs> and then the security guard had to be like, you know who this is? <laughs> <laughs> but Christian Bale apparently was happy because that means that the makeup and hair worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we have The Flowers of War. Flowers of War. Flowers of War, which uh, didn't you show me this movie yeah. like a few years ago? Uh, this movie blew me away. It's a great, great movie. Yeah. It actually is the most successful movie ever made in China. Mm -hmm. It made over $300 million in China alone. Yeah, it's a really, really great film. You yeah. guys should check it out if you haven't seen it he yet. He plays a, a man who's um, pretending to be a priest in war-torn China and while Japanese forces have invaded the city. 19, so, late, late 1930s. Yeah, exactly. So it's a great sensational movie. So well done. The director of Hero made it. Yeah, so he's, he's a posing as a priest and he's leading those women to safety. Yeah, he's trying to protect the woman inside the church. Wow. It's a really good movie. And then... The Dark Knight Rises, kid, 2012, the most one of the most underrated action films of all time, in my opinion. This movie gets a ton of hate, but it's freaking good. I love this movie. Yeah, I, I, the people do love this movie. Doesn't like an 8.2 on IMDb. It gets a lot of hate though. It's it like does get a lot of yeah. hate though. But I, I love this. It's a great cap to the trilogy. I think it's just astounding. The filmmaking, it's so big. Mm -hmm. He, I, I love the transformation of Bruce Wayne in this film. He goes through real adversity in this film, just like all the other ones, and it's a really sensational film. Fire rises. Have, Have we, we started, started the, the fire? fire? <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> so you came back to die with your city. <laughs> Out of the Furnace in 2013, underrated movie. This movie is sick. So he stars opposite Casey Affleck and they play brothers in the small town and Casey's coming back from the Marines and the army and he's dealing with PTSD and his situation and his psychological um, breakdown of from coming back from war and his brother keeps kind of getting into trouble with these old violent people from where they're from and and Christian Bale sort of keeps having to rescue him in a way. It's It's really good. It's one of his best performances, and it flew way under the radar because it wasn't su successful. But I think it's an astounding performance. The character Russell Bayes is really fascinating. He's, you know, it's a blue collar guy who made mistakes in his past and is trying to make up for it, just trying to get by. And he finds himself in a really bad situation, um, and he has to try to overcome it, and not overcome, but try to get by. And also, he's up against Woody Harrelson's character, mm -hmm. who is a villain in the area. 
kind of runs the the, yeah. the 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 grounds around where and, they live and he wants to kill his his brother's character for for losing him money at us because casey's been doing a, a back backyard brawls for him mm-hmm. and it's, it's a great great family drama uh christian bale unbelievable performance he's really amazing in this and it's a great film i love it directed and written by scott cooper yeah and they're they've worked together a ton they're making they're actually making a movie uh this year again and then did we he, had that. He, yeah, no, we'll get to no, that. No, 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 go ahead. Did he do the hostels too? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And it also in two, 2013, American Hustle came out, which is the next uh, collaboration with David O. Russell. Which what this is? David O. Russell is like we said, or we've said before, like he had the six year period, but he was just making amazing movie after amazing movie. It seemed like it, it, he really revolutionized his own career. And Christian Bale, like Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence and Amy Adams, became a regular player in his movies. Yeah, and, so David did the fighter. Yeah, and uh, he's so good in this movie. He gained like seventy pounds for this. The character is so funny, but also cool and and confident, but also kind of you kind of pity him a little bit. But very interesting character. I love the makeup and hair. Like he has this like he's just completely bald, but he has this like Donald Trump like comb over that <laughs> yeah. he has perfected. And it, there's a great shot where. Uh, David Russell shows him like uh, putting the hair piece together, and he's the, like sweating. He's yeah. like in a rush. He has to like glue a little bottom piece to make it look fuller. And it, it's just the dedication to the hair is like amazing. Well, yeah, I it's love the scene it. where he does it normally, then the scene where he's doing it in a rush when everything's crumbling around yeah, him. Yeah, but Christian Bale is amazing in this movie. He put on so much weight yeah. for this movie. Yeah, it's great. It's a pretty underrated film. Yeah, and then uh, he did Exodus, Gods and Knights. He Gods and Kings. He played Moses, and then Joel Egerton was the opposite of mm-hmm. him in that movie. Um, Ridley Scott made it right. Yep. I love he Rid- played Ramses. I, I love Ridley. This movie just wasn't it for me. I thought it, I think it could have been better. I just I, I didn't love it. The filmmaking is sensational. Yeah, but the story I think that it, they definitely did not improve upon the story. And you know they could have made they could have done a better job. But ultimately, I think that it was it's a it's a good adaptation. Uh, Christian Bale obviously is great. The cast is really good. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's not it wasn't what I was hoping it would be. But I think Christian Bale did a fantastic job as mm-hmm. Moses. Yeah. And then we had Knight of Cups, which came out in 2015, which is uh, another collaboration with Terrence Mollick. And this movie is about uh, a screenwriter in L.A. who's kind of wayward, lost his sense of meaning, and in a way lost his sense of communicating and writing. And he's just, like, wandering through L.A. trying to, like, grasp, like, what the meaning of his life is. And, and it's a great, weird movie. Again, if you're not a fan of Mollick, you're not going to like it. There's a lot of wandering around, a lot of narration. Yeah, a ton of great metaphors, though, like yeah. with the earthquake and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, totally. And this script, actually, there was no script for Christian Bale. And Terrence Malick doesn't, at, at this point of his career, he's not writing scripts. He's just telling the actors, like, I want the scene to like be about this, and you guys can maybe say something like that. And then he just starts rolling the camera and see what, sees what happens. And so I think I think Christian Bale enjoys the freedom that Terrence Malick provides him. Yeah, and then 2015... He starred in Adam McKay's film The Big Short, playing Michael Burry, who was kind of that the Wall Street like sort of like genius who who saw what was happening when the 2008 financial housing market was going to crash and all those those loans would fail and people would lose tons of money and go broke and the bailouts and everything. So it's it's a really great movie about explaining really what happened. We talked about it in our Wall Street episode that we did. So check, check that out, out if you want more explanations of exactly what happened. And he, I mean, Michael Barty uh, bet against it. Yeah. And he made uh, over a billion dollars on his bet. Yeah. So the character, he's like betting against people losing all their money. So it's like he has to do it because it's his job. But at the same time, 
it's kind of crappy that he's going to make so much money off people losing so much money. Yeah, but also it's like it's inevitable and there's an opportunity where I can really profit from this. And this so, is my job. This is what yeah. I do for a living. It's a fascinating character. He's a guy. He's got like a glass eye. He was a doctor. He's a doctor. He never like was studied economics or never like studied that in school, whatever you would study to become a broker. And he just has a, a genius intellect in terms of money, in, in terms of numbers. And so he's really um, paved the way of Wall Street of looking at numbers in a different way and understanding patterns. And, and he's a very eccentric character. And, and Christian Bale, I believe, Michael Burry, he asked Michael Burry for his own pair of cargo shorts. And then Christian Bale wore Michael Burry's cargo shorts while filming the movie. <laughs> Looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a phenomenal movie. We've all seen it. The cast is awesome too. Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Margot Robbie's in it too. And then we have Anthony Bourdain makes a cameo in it too. So it's it's a little complicated, but I think Adam McKay toned it down for pretty much anyone to understand if they pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. But it explains a lot. And ironically, for as great a cast it is, he's the only actor who didn't work with anyone else in the main cast. And then 2016, he was in The Promise, which was directed by Terry George. This also starred Oscar Isaac. And it's about a poor medical student in Constantinople in 1914 who falls in love with this character named Anna. And it's also, about the Armenian uh, genocide. Yeah, so it's it's a really – I've only seen it once, and I remember I, – I thought it was a powerful movie. Yeah. But it's not, you know, the best Christian Bale movie on this list. No, it's good. It's it's good, but it could have been great. Mm -hmm. um, I think they just went a little too much with the, the romance. Romance, yeah. A little too much of like the love story in terms of like what the movie should have really been about ultimately. Yeah, I but mean, uh, it should have really just been about the genocide mostly. Yeah, I think it could have I think it had the potential to be a really astounding movie, but I just think the direction they went in wasn't quite right. Yeah, it could have been like a Hotel Rwanda. Yeah, or, or like Schindler's List yeah. quality, you know what I mean? But it was not not everything's perfect. And then we had in 2017 Hostiles, which was also made by Scott Cooper, and he plays Captain uh, Joseph J. Blocker, who is tasked with escorting uh, a Native American chief and his family across the land back to their native uh, land. And his character is very complex because he hates Native Americans be in, because he's been fighting them for years. And this is a very dark movie, very dark Pretty underrated too. I like. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Um, Roseman Pike's in it as well. Mm -hmm. West Duty plays the chief. She's really great in it. He's awesome. Um, and then 2018, he voiced the uh, the character what was Bagheera. His name? Bagheera, the the jaguar, the panther. Right. The, no, the panther. Um, in in the movie in Mowgli, Andy Serkis made it. Yeah, and it's a darker reimagining of uh, the Jungle Book story. Netflix original too, I believe. Yeah. Andy Serkis's uh, directorial debut. Did a great job. And then in 2018, uh, he came out with Vice, which is the biopic about Dick Cheney made by Adam McKay. And I think this is probably the most underrated movie of the last few years. I think it should have won Best Actor for him. He ended up losing to Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. He did a great job, but I just think what Christian Bale did in Vice was just like otherworldly in terms of performance. And it's like you watch it and it's like, that's Dick Cheney. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's an amazing movie. It's so good. Yeah, it shows, again, same thing with Big Short showing exactly what happened. This shows you inside the doors of the vice presidency and how the executive branch evolved so much while he was basically 
holding the strings for for George W. Bush, who you know he was kind of just like he was the president. Happy to be there. He was president, but yeah, you know I'm, Dick Cheney was yeah. running the show, yeah. and it showed how the executive branch changed and got a lot more power while he was in office. Yeah, he pulled a lot of strings while he was there, and the reason why he was always the he, the reason why he was the vice president was because he failed at becoming president. He wanted to be president, but he just didn't have. You know, politicians need a certain amount of charm, a certain amount of... Politicians are actors. Yeah, they need to be loved by the public, and Dick Cheney is not a likable personable, person. Personable, great speaker. Yeah, it's so, not that he's not a great speaker, he's yeah. just not personable. So he failed at being a, a major politician in terms of becoming the president, but then when he had this opportunity, he managed to squeeze a lot of power out of it that the vice president never had. Yeah. And it's a fascinating story to see, and he actually changed politics in America for the eight years he was in office. Oh, absolutely. And it's a, a great character study. Really well directed by Adam McKay. Like, there's that scene where he and Amy Adams, who plays his wife, they go on to this like Shakespearean monologue in bed, and it's super intense, but it's like so funny and awesome at the same time. Mm-hmm. Really great metaphors and look like, like the fly fishing and everything. And yeah, he's just amazing in this so, movie. So, uh, how's the private sector? How's the private sector? <laughs> so, uh, the vice presidency is normally a symbolic <laughs> position. <laughs> How did you think about being my VP? Oh yeah, Sam Rockwell plays yeah, George he's W. Shaking wigs, so good. <laughs> it's one of my favorite George Bush impressions. Of Although all he time. got nominated for an Oscar, I'm like, he didn't really do that much in the movie to get nominated. Yeah, he's, just, in, he's in like two. Scenes. You know, one of those movies. Yeah. And then 2019 was the last time a Christian Bale movie came out, and that was Ford vs Ferrari, also called Le Mans 66. In depending on what country you're in, and this was. We, we think maybe the best movie of 2019. We saw us in great. theaters. If you, if you saw us in theaters, you know what we're talking about. It was such a great movie experience to see there in person on the big screen with the loudspeakers because I, I, I love racing movies, but a lot of them just don't get it right, and they're not, like, memorable. Like, the last one that came out was Rush by Ron Howard, and I had so much expectation for it, and it just didn't work. It's good, but it's, it's good. not, like, legendary. But yeah. this is a legendary movie. This is going to live on forever, and I adore it so much, and... Everything about it, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. They don't really make movies like in this style anymore. It's so excellent. James Mangold made it, and he did 310 to Yuma, so they had worked together before. And Matt Damon as the co-lead as um, Shelby. Shelby is great. Just he, Christian Bale and Matt Damon, every scene they share together is just like dynamite. They have so much natural chemistry. And this movie is just flat-out fun. It's dramatic. It's got great stakes. It's an amazing story that you didn't know about. Ken Miles was... A, considered one of the best racers ever to live, and people didn't know his name because he didn't end up winning Le Mans, the Triple Crown, yeah, the Triple Crown. So, but I think this was—it's gr- it's unfortunate because he won the race, but yeah. technically he didn't win because that f- f- Ford, Ford made him, him tie. Yeah. So, it, and then he lost it because he wasn't the first starring position. Yeah, so exactly. He should have won the Triple Crown and would have been a legend. I'm sure he's he's a legend to racers, but to the public, not really. And it was also fascinating learning about like the history of the car companies. Like Ferrari was dead broke, and they needed a company to buy them out. And ev- eventually, what's the company? They swindled Fiat. Yeah, so Fiat they swindled the them. deal with Ford to get an offer from Fiat. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of funny. If you buy a Fiat, you still have the same internal components like in your car doors as Ferraris. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. But I think that Ferrari got bought out again by a was it. It's a German company, I believe. It's just strange. It's amazing that that company just doesn't make money. 
and people well, I mean, keep needing to buy them. It's because it's so valuable what they do. Like they they hand make their engines. Yeah. It's so expensive. Just the production work. cost of making a car. They don't sell a ton of Ferraris. I mean, not a lot of people can afford a $200,000 car. And on top of that, when you have the opposing story of Henry Ford creating the factory system of cars and manufacturing and just turning out tens of thousands of cars every month and selling them all across America that's making money it's just it's just different so it's they still went broke even again after that and so i, I believe it's owned by a german company although ferraris are still made in italy mm-hmm. they're still manufactured there yeah but yeah great great movie i love it and now we'll take a moment for anthony to tell us about some movie poster stuff don't forget to head on over to movieposters.com the number one place to get your posters online today if you're checking out our set on youtube we hope you are You'll see that it is decorated with these amazing posters. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, pretty much every movie imaginable, high-quality printing, and they're super affordable, including when you add on our discount. The promo code is Raiders15, again, Raiders15 at MoviePosters.com to get 15% off your order today. And right now, Christian Bale is in post-production of two movies, so he's already filmed, and we're just waiting for them to come out. Specifically, most importantly, I think Thor Love and Thunder, he's going to play Gore the God Butcher, so I can't wait to see Christian Bale getting back into superheroes, but playing a villain. It sounds like a cool villain, and it looks like a cool villain. And it, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing movie. And he has a sword, so I just can't wait to see Christian Bale f- like flaying people with the sword. And Thor Ragnarok's top five Marvel movie for me. That movie is phenomenal. I think it's the best Marvel movie. It could. I mean, I could. Yeah. I could get behind that if like you'd convince me. But yeah. But in this, I mean, with Guardians as well, like this looks like it's going it's to be a fun time. It's it's going to be epic, and I can't wait to see. I, I'm so curious to see how he'll look. And then he's also got another David O. Russell movie coming out. I'm more excited about that than Thor. It's going to be awesome. you are. Yeah, it's going to be epic. Yeah. And then he's also got a movie coming out or in pre-production so he's going to go into filming soon of The Pale Blue Eye. He plays Augustus Landor. And he's it's actually so it's being written and directed by Scott Cooper and it's about a detective in the late 20th century, I think, or the early 21st century, and he's investigating a series of grisly murders and he has a, a protege tagging along, and it's Edgar Allan, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, that's it's really based cool. on a real story. Who's playing Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, Dudley, Dudley Dursley. No, oh, I can yeah. see that for sure. Yeah, he's been because he was also he was in uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He's very a very odd, weird yeah. character. And then that movie. He's been in a few good things lately. Yeah, the um the one that was really big on Netflix. That uh yeah yeah Robert Pattinson. Yeah, was in, uh, the Tom Devil Holland. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he's actually a very talented actor oh yeah for sure but he, you know it's like you're not he's not a leading guy yeah but i mean i'm sure i'd love to see him in bigger roles so his name's oh henry melling that's yeah his that's name. it but it's amazing christian bill's never played a detective before that's yeah, pretty odd 30 years in the industry is pretty rare Every, it seems like everyone eventually plays a detective technically he's played a cop kind of he's i'm not saying a cop I'm i saying know a detective i know but I'm detective just... <laughs> <laughs> all right uh you want to do some Fun trivia about Christian Bale. Yep. I got a ton. Christian Bale is actually married to Winona Ryder's former assistant. When Winona Ryder and him acted in Little Women, she introduced Christian Bale to her then assistant, and Christian Bale and her started a romance and eventually got married, and they've been married ever since. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. In the movie Equilibrium, Christian Bale's character John Preston kills 118 people in the movie, which makes him, as of 2019, the, in third place for the record for the most deaths caused by one character. For the movie Harsh Times, Christian Bale spent three weeks with real gang members, police officers, 
ex-soldiers and Homeland Security agents prior to shooting. He also wanted to do a full Ranger school course, which takes eight weeks, but ultimately did not have time for the shooting schedule to fit it in. So he was given a crash course of firearms training instead. In the movie Batman Begins, Christian Bale said that the first scene he acted in, he acted in with Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman involved the scene when Christian Bale is woken up by them after being healed with the uh, toxin. And what happened is while they were shooting, Christian Bale actually fell asleep, to which Sir Michael Caine was hilariously surprised by, and he ended up poking him in the ribs, waking him up, saying, look at that, he's bloody falling asleep. While shooting Batman Begins on the streets of Chicago, a person accidentally crashed into the Batmobile. They were apparently drunk driving and said they hit the car in a state of panic, believing that the Dark Knight's tumbler was an invading alien spacecraft. In the movie Rescue Dawn, Christian Bale ate real worms. In the movie The Prestige, the initials of the main characters actually spell Abra, Alfred Borden, and Robert Angier, an ab as an abracadabra, a common, use, a common word used by magicians. This is a list of Christian Bale's most insane physical transformations. So for American Psycho, he bulked up to 190 pounds of very lean muscle. Then in 2004, for The Machinist, he dropped to 120 pounds of just skin and bones. One year later, less than a year later, he bulked up to 220 pounds. Less than a year later, he bulked up to 220 pounds for Batman Begins, which was too much weight, so he had to drop back down to 190 pounds. For Rescue Dawn in 2006, he went down to 135 pounds. For The Prestige, he went up to 180 pounds. And then 190 pounds again for The Dark Knight. For John Connor, he went down to 175 pounds. To play Dickie Eklund in The Fighter, he dropped down to 145 pounds. And then back up to 190 pounds for The Dark Knight Rises. In American Hustle, he went up to 230 pounds. Then he dropped down to 190 pounds for Ridley Scott's Exodus Gods and Kings. For Vice, he went up to 228 pounds. And then for Ford vs. Ferrari, he went down to 155 pounds. That's unbelievable. So you could say he's lost almost like 1,000 pounds and gained 1,000 <laughs> pounds throughout his career. That's a lot of work. That's insane discipline. And it's not safe to do that. <laughs> his heart probably does not like him. No way. In the movie Public Enemies, Johnny Depp actually tried on a real pair of John Dillinger's pants. And he was pleasantly surprised to find that the pants fit him perfectly. In the movie The Fighter... Mark Wahlberg did not get paid and waived his own salary, while Christian Bale was only paid $250,000 for the role. In the movie American Hustle, it was Bradley Cooper's idea to give Richie DeMasso a perm hairstyle, as well as wearing hair curlers in the scene at Richie's apartment. In the movie Night of Cups, Christian Bale had no lines to learn from writer and director Terrence Malick, who only gave him a character description. There was no script and all of the scenes were improvised. Christian Bale said that during production, he would have no idea what would happen to his character. All right, that wraps our actor spotlight on the great Christian Bale. We can't wait to see the rest of his movies. I'm sure we'll cover them many, many more times on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in around the world. Take care, everyone. Make sure to go to patreon.com slash raise lost podcast so that James can quit his job and we can get this show rolling even more. Got to retire, man. <laughs> podcast full time. Never going to Oh, I'm never going to retire. Never, but yeah. yeah. Thanks, everybody. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.